Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by championship-winning crew chief Doug Richard as we'll look back at his historic career and catch up with him to see what he's doing nowadays in just a few moments from right now. Before we bring in Doug, I want to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend himself, David Starr, who joins us. David, you got on the track for the first time in 2021 at Daytona last weekend. Not the results you wanted, but nonetheless, I imagine it was good to be out there. Man, it was pretty – it was awesome to be on the racetrack, especially climbing in my – you know, the uh, my Whataburger Toyota Supra for the first time. And uh, that was pretty good. It felt good. And, uh, man, just uh, – man, we saw that truck race Friday night. That was incredible. And uh, just – it was exciting. And uh, I was uh, I was ready to race. And, uh, you know, one of the things about me and road courses, when you start turning right, I'm a little lost. You know, I, I can do them pretty well, but uh, you got to get your rhythm down, your breaking points, and your shifting points. And I was telling uh, Carl Long, my boss, it's like, hey, guys, I'm starting in the rear anyway. You know, there's three segments in our race. Uh, the first segment, I was just going to back off of everybody and kind of be like a practice session for me. Uh, you know, I had an idea of where my breaking points were, my shifting points, and uh, and I learned a lot just, uh, you know, just kind of practicing in the back by myself. I, I learned a lot, and uh, I was really excited to, to make a couple little adjustments to the race car, and uh, for the second segment to start, I was going to start getting a little racy, and uh, they had a couple cautions, and uh, coming to the green, I think there was two laps left in our in our segment. Uh, I think I was in third. I shifted down to second for a restart, and there was nothing there. It was like I was in neutral, and I shifted back up to third. There was nothing there. Was revving the, you know, I, I was revving the engine up, but I was in third gear. Uh, went to fourth. I had fourth. Went down to first. There was no first. So we, we ran three or four laps with fourth gear, and, and that don't work real well on road courses because you got to upshift and downshift. But, uh, but it was pretty disappointing because I was really looking forward to uh, being a part of the race and uh, getting out of there with a, with a decent finish. And, uh, man, just, you know, you're – you know, you're so excited to get the season started and uh, so much work goes into it and to have something like that happens. But, hey, that's just – what do you call that, Doug? Racing? It's just racing, you know. So, uh, that's happy. racing. Yeah. So, anyway, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, and my teammate, uh, Timmy Hill, did awesome. And Stephen likes Some guys did really a great job. And uh, uh, the race was incredible. And uh, it was a fun weekend, but disappointing with our Whataburger uh, Toyota Supra the, that the transmission broke, but but you'll have that. So, yeah, looking forward to getting to Miami, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Dominic Oregon of the RacingExperts.com joins us. Dom, I know that we didn't get the result we wanted with Dave, but certainly excited for Ty Gibbs' first start in the Xfinity Series, and he gets that win, delivering it for his grandfather, Joe Gibbs. It was pretty special. Absolutely. That's the first time since the year 2006 that you had a first-time winner in their first start in the Xfinity Series. You have to go back to Kurt Busch at Texas that year. And that's good company that Ty Gibbs is a part of. Dale Earnhardt, Joe Rutman, just to name some of the guys that were able to win in their first Xfinity Series start. And to do it for your grandfather's team, I don't think there was any doubt of how good of a driver he was. But, man, just seeing how he worked through the field, led a bunch of laps on Saturday – 
He's going to be a name I think that we're going to see around the sport for a very long time. David, what did you make of Ty's performance? Incredible. Kid's got a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, I heard little rumblings, you know, hey, Gibbs cars, Gibbs this, Gibbs that. And, hey, you know, it's the best equipment out there. But let me assure you that that kid's got a lot of talent. And just like Dominic was saying, I think you're going to see he'll be a superstar in our industry. Uh, because what he did and how he did and how he raced the 22 car was unbelievable. Nothing was given to him. And let me tell you, you have to drive these road courses. It takes a lot of skill and, uh, man, a lot of patience. And uh, he did it all, man. And he won that race fair and square. I was impressed by him. And, and, and you, you know, remember that name because we're going to be saying a lot. I, I, I assure you that he's going to be a superstar in our sport. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be fun to see you racing with him uh, for a while there in the Xfinity Series. We'll talk about the good weekend it was for Joe Gibbs Racing coming up later on and look back on Christopher Bell's Cup win coming up in our NASCAR News and Notes segment later on in today's show. But time to bring in Doug Richard, championship-winning crew chief. You know him for his time working alongside Dale Earnhardt, Greg Biffle, Benny Parsons, just to name a few. David, I'll turn it over to you to introduce Doug to the show. Well, man, hey, just like a kid watching racing on TV and, and, and watching Dale Earnhardt and, you know, Neil Bonnet and all the greats. And, uh, you know, I, I always heard Doug Richards. You know, I've always heard about Doug, you know, and he's somebody you've seen on TV, seen on commercials, read about in magazines, you know. And, uh, you know, when you were lucky enough or blessed to make it to NASCAR, you know, you know, for anybody, and uh, and to meet Doug years ago, just a class act, just a obviously legendary guy in our sport. Uh, you know, all his accolades, what he's done to the sport, and the different drivers he's taken to Victory Lane. It's pretty cool. I can't believe he's on our podcast with it with us. You know, and the cool thing about it is uh, he works for MBL Motorsports. He works for Carl Long. So, uh, you know, not only myself, or Carl Long, and everybody at in, at our organizations. You know, we're very, very – all whole team blessed to have a guy like Doug Richards working for us because I can assure you he, he brings a, uh, a wealth of knowledge and, and what he's done to the sport is, is amazing. And I'll say this, he ain't in the Hall of Fame yet, but it's uh, – it's, I'm sure it's not too far away. But, Doug, man, That's I, I – uh, Man, Doug, what an honor it is, buddy, to have you – join us on let's go racing with david star is pretty cool man and thank thank you for agreeing to do this and uh and welcome buddy well hey i, I appreciate being on here and uh, man with with that introduction right there it's like wow i mean <laughs> you made me feel really good you know <laughs> but you know you know it, yes um yeah i started at a young age I, I left california when i was 16 i turned 17 driving through texas and I was on the way to the East Coast to go racing. So, um, you know. How did that start, Doug? I mean, was there somebody in your family? I mean, how did, did – did, were you a kid? Did your uncle race, a dad race? How did Doug Richards how – did, how did you – were you passionate about cars at a young age? Where did you find the interest? How, how did all that work? <laughs> well, you know, when I was in – when I was in high school, you know, there was PE, you know, physical education, and there was metal shop, and then there was auto shop, and then there was metal shop aid, and then there was auto shop aid. So, <laughs> naturally, it just sort of flowed easily around the automotive side of it. And, um, 
to be real honest with you, my in my neighborhood where I lived at, a guy named Ken Neighbor, he started, uh, he ran Watsonville, Antioch, and all that out in, in California. Well, he ran figure eight and all that. Well, of course, I went down there and started hanging around him, and we're looking, you know, just helping out, doing this, doing that, and and then finally, uh, a friend of ours, we all went to high school together, and uh, he started dating Lana, uh, which was Lana Osterlin, which was the introduction to Rod Osterlin and the start of that whole team there. And that's really how that whole thing came together. So the other key element in that was, is Rod had these resorts and, and things like that out in California. Well, Roland Wallotica also ran Modifieds when we were in San Jose Speedway. Roland laid carpet for Rod in, in these developments and things like that. So that's how that acquaintance came. Well, when we all decided to go racing, it was Roland Wallotica was, was running the team. Myself, Dave D'Ambrosio. Uh, we all started working on this on this team, putting it together, bought a car. Very first car we bought was back in the day when Lenny Pond was driving. It was number 54 and had Pepsi on the side. That was the very first race car that we bought to start our Australian racing adventure. And out there in, in California, we bought that. Roland was a, a, motor, a motor guy, you know, Bob Burham. He also helped us on motors. But we bought a moving van trailer. Roland Wallotica and his dad designed the ramp system. So when we showed up on the, on the East Coast, we were the first, first ones to bring a transporter that could haul two cars. And it was a, it was a cable and, and ramp system, not hydraulics like we have now on a lot of the trips. But we built it all. We installed it. I remember rolling up there you know, working the welder and I was on the floor pushing the pedal for the power side so he could heliarch the nuts into the, into the side of the walls to bolt the cabinets on. And I mean, it was quite a deal. And, uh, and then to just show up on the East coast and like, okay, wow. racing, right. And here so, I am. So Doug, uh, Lenny Pond, man, Lenny Pond, I, I, man, a lot of my old NASCAR books, man, what's that's a, that's a legendary race car driver and Rod Osterlund, that's also a legendary team owner. And did y'all, uh, was Rod, when all y'all came together, did he have a cup team yet or he was just starting? Y'all started together. No, we all started it together. It was all, you know, as we, we were running at San Jose Speedway, Roland was, we were running a, a car there on the oval um, with Marco and D Flores and Jeff Prescott was driving the car and Dave and Bob and all these guys. We, we just all worked on this car week on a weekly deal. Well, when they decided, Oh, we're going to start a race team. Okay. And that's, that's how it started. It was a conversation and we started putting it together. So we bought pieces, you know, we bought stuff from Roger Penske back in the day when when Dave Marcus had run the uh, Cam 2 cars, when they were sponsored by Cam 2, you know, we thought it was really cool, you know, in the class act that Roger Penske is. Well, yeah. when we bought his equipment, it was all chrome. 
You didn't have to worry about painting it because it was chrome. <laughs> and I remember Every- the chrome jack stands. I was like, yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> we're big time now. <laughs> yeah, we're in it now. Man, Doug, that's pretty cool, man. I, I just, what a great story, man, being in high school and, you know, doing stuff for Roland and then meeting Rod and then, man, I mean, and you were just obviously a mechanic jack of all trades for that racing team. And, man, did you ever think one day, I don't know what year that was, but did you ever think that you would ever be crew chief for Dale Earnhardt? I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> it, it, it was all a wild ride like that. I mean, you know, people's asked me a lot. So, well, what did you think? Well, I was 17. How much was it? I mean, how much could I think about it? Right. I mean, even, you know, as that whole thing transpired um, in 79, you know, when we won the rookie of the year and everything was going good and uh, you know, Jake Elder was a crew chief and he just, they had a little disagreement or whatever you want to call that, you know, and he decided to leave. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, Doug, you want a crew chief? Okay, sure. Right. Um, and I did, but you know, I, I don't, yeah, I, I couldn't really give you a sense of what it was like because it's just what we were doing. It wasn't like I've been doing it for 20 years or anything like that. I just kept doing the same thing I've been doing, which, you know, we, we built the cars, we assembled the cars, we set up the car, we went to the track, I drove the truck, um, you know, and, and when we got there, it was just like, either I'm standing there with a headset on and I'm pushing the button talking to him, or I'm still got the headset on listening to when, when Jake was there. So it was, it was definitely a team effort. We, we just continued on, you know, and, I just discussed with Dale, what, what do you think? What do you think we should do different going back? What, uh, what about the setup? You know, Hey, I'm feeling that. Well, you know, we worked together on it. It was, it was, we didn't have computers. We didn't have simulation to fall back on and say, Oh, you know, I think this is more grip or, or, you know, anything like that. It was just like, all right, Dale, try it out. Oh yeah, that's better. I need a little more. (laughs) And that's kind of the way it was. Man, that's well, Doug, as, as you worked with Dale over the years there and part of that championship winning team in 1980, what was your guys' relationship like off the racetrack? Well, it was fun. Um, you know, at the time I wasn't married, so I didn't, you know, have a household, you know, responsibility and, and things like that. So we, we loved the water ski. Uh, we bought Yamaha 175 dirt bikes and we would ride those all through the woods. And, you know, during the winter, we, when the water was low at the lake, he had the house on the lake and we'd drive under the pier and, you know, just stuff there right across the pipe, just, just carefree fun. And then when it was warm enough, we'd hop in the boat and we'd go water skiing and we'd go tubing and just whatever you know i mean it just we just kind of hung out and did what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it for the time and it's it's what's amazing doug is is just the the the, the role of a crew chief back in 1980 to a role of a crew chief today i mean you're just talking about all these different you know crew chief slash mechanic crew chief slash truck driver crew chief slash painter 
I mean, you did it all back then. You know, it's amazing uh, to hear that. How many people did y'all have on your team? You know, I, 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 I'm trying to think. You know, we had the probably the, the kind of the normal group that you you send to the racetrack now, right? right. Those essential people like gears and trannies and mechanics, motor guys, truck driver. We had the spotter. We had all that stuff. But then back at the shop, we had a, a group of, I'm going to say probably six or seven. Um, because we, when we, we built our shop there on Old Statesville Road in, in Charlotte, once we, we got our feet on the ground, we, we built that shop. Then we added on, we added a motor room and things like that. Well, the building that was there was a real, you know, really tall, long building. And it had this overhead crane in it with a, with the hoist and lift and stuff. So we actually started building our own chassis from the ground up even then. And in 1980. Oh yeah. We were building our own chassis. We even went out a little bit too and actually built chassis for other people. So, you know, we had our own gear program. Larry Penn was over there doing gear, uh, gears and transmissions. We had Nick Olala from, uh, he was a Penske IndyCar guy and, you know, we had hired him, uh, Butch Stevens. You know, we all know him as BSR. He was yeah. our parts. He ran That's our parts department. And then Roland ran the office and the motor room. And we had Lou LaRosa in there that headed up the motor program. So, wow. you know, it's it, when you think about the day, right? When you think about 77, 78, 79, we were doing a lot. Absolutely, you were. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this, Doug, as uh, we're in episode number 13 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Clyde Jones, David Starr, Dominic Argon here alongside championship winning crew chief Doug Richard. We've heard time and time again through, throughout the years that the role of the crew chief is similar to a head coach and the driver is similar to the quarterback. Is that what your experience has been? Has it been along those same lines there? Is that how you would compare it? I would, yeah. Um, they, you know, even then and, and to now even more because the, the role is bigger you know, we have a bigger group of people that you have to manage, let's say. Um, but driver being the quarterback takes the steering wheel. He steps back. Whoops. <laughs> Max Tolman calling. <laughs> uh, uh, but nope. the, he steps back and, and he, and he, goes to throw he said no i can't it's too loose you know i've got to be tightened up so so me i'm going okay guys let's get over there and let's adjust this we're going to change this change that and then all right dale let's make another play here oh yeah that's a lot better but you know i mean yes you can relate to that a lot you know and then as you go along um you know i my my mentality and my temperament, I wasn't um, – I guess I always wanted to be treated the, the way I wanted to be treated. You know, um, sometimes a role can involve into – you know, you can 
become a butthead real easy sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, I try not to do that. You know, I, I tried to respect everybody and I always felt like I could get the most out of somebody jokingly working right alongside of him and joining in with him. I could get the most out of that person than if I would have just dogged him in front of all his, you know, his people that, that he worked on the team. So I have, I had a different management skill, I guess, you know, I, I, I just wasn't that shrewd butthead, you know, <laughs> type of person. So um, well, Doug, it must've worked. Y'all won the championship. You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Who, uh, in, in 1980, when y'all won the championship and just reading the history books and read a little bit about that year, I, I want to say, and I guess I asked the question, was it between Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty? Who, who uh, no, was it was it? actually uh, down to uh, Kale Yarbrough, Benny Parsons, and us. Wow. Amazing, man. Y'all just had an exceptional year that year. We did. You know, we showed up, and we were we were definitely overachieving, probably from a lot of people's expectations. But obviously, when you have a driver that can wheel it, you know, he can make things happen. And, and, and that's what it takes, you know. Uh, the, the, the window or the box was a little bigger back then, right? To say. And it was easy just for a guy to just drive twice as hard and do real well. Well, well now everybody drives three times as hard. Absolutely. Right? So, so then that box kept narrowing in, narrowing in, and it's harder and harder to dominate like we have in the past. And when I, we were with Greg Biffle, we were, I mean, we, we were just, we'd run away with races, you know, and, you know, and that's just, yeah, it's just narrowed right in. And that's the technology <laughs> involved nowadays, you know, look at the tools we've got to work with. Absolutely. All the aero pieces, all the aero data, simulation, tire models, you know, you, you do all your, testing and practicing on the computer before you ever get there and it saves a lot of time yeah that's amazing how did you know looking back on 1980 when did you figure out i mean amazing to beat dale earnhardt's crew chief and win his first championship when did you know that you were working with somebody that was really somebody really going to be a superstar when did you did you see it right away or you know, did you know that going into being the crew chief? I mean, when did you figure out, man, this is freaking Dale Earnhardt? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, I knew we had something special when he first got in the car because in 1978, he came in and he ran five races with us. And that was so he could keep his eligibility to run for rookie of the year in 79. Right. So we, we saw what he was capable of in 78. And, wow. you know, in 78, we were still running with Dave Marcus. And I think Roland Melodica was still driving then. You know, we had a two-car thing going on. And then and then when Dale came on board, it's just like, poosh, you know, click. We show up at Riverside and, boom, we sit on the pole. Wow. <laughs> it's like, okay, wow, all right, <laughs> yeah, we're on the pole. And it was just it was just a continuous growth. And, and uh, Dale just – got better and better and we tried to surround him with better cars and you know it's just like this you, if you do it this good then you want to be that good the next time you do it and then you want to step that up and it was a continuous growth pattern amongst everyone in the shop 
Absolutely. So you knew you had a wheel man way before that 1980 season started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you go back and, and, you know, when you realize what kind of wheel man they really are, just go look at some of the cars that we were driving back then. <laughs> <laughs> some you know, of like, the tanks? Absolutely. Like, like when, uh, when Dale Jr. got that car that we won the championship in that year and you look at it to what we're dealing with now, you're like, wow. Yeah. I guess we did do pretty good in this thing. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Four of them on the car. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. So when, uh, so when you win the championship in 1980 and 1981 comes around, uh, uh, in, in, Y'all moved to Childress, Richard Childress, together. I mean, how did it go after that? Can you can you share with us a little bit of uh, of, of the history there and, and what happened after y'all won a championship together? Well, you know, right after the – at the end of the year, you know, we won the championship, and that all went well. At the same time, here, you know, Wrangler's coming on board. So we actually start, you know, 1981 with Wrangler and, and all that on the car. And it was going pretty good, and then – uh, quite frankly, the next thing that we know is they sold the team. Wow. To, to J.D. Stacy, And that's when he came in and he started, when he bought our team, that's when he started buying up all them teams and running all those different cars. Well, Dale, Dale was kind of upset with that on how it all went down and you know, we win the championship and then all of a sudden you sell the team and he wasn't happy. And, and I get, you know, so it was Dale, myself, Rick Peters, Steve Blackwell. Um, I think that was about it right at that moment. We decided that, you know, Dale says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go up here and drive for Richard Childers. You want to go? Sure. <laughs> you know, and we just kind of we just all quit. And that a, that's amazing, man. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you're talking about, I mean, when when that transition to Richard Childers happened, and man, I mean, the whole world saw what happened after Dale Earnhardt joined Richard Childers Racing. You know what I mean? It's a it's it's really cool to hear how that came to be. You know what I mean? And you were part of that. You know, so that's pretty awesome. Well, I'll tell you something interesting, though, and, and, and maybe you don't realize this, but when we left, we left Oshland to go to Childress's, right? We, right? we were only there for six months, right? That's it. That was it. So, meanwhile, at the end of that year, well, Dale gets the opportunity to go drive for Bud Moore. Well, that didn't involve me, so I left and went to Junior Johnson's. Wow. And that's when we kind of did the uh, co-crew chief thing with Mike Hill, Jeff Hammond, and myself up there. But Dale didn't start doing all that until he went back there after Ricky Rudd got done running with him with the U.S. Air and all that sponsorship that he had on the car. I think it was – was it – or was it Piedmont? Piedmont, wow. can't, I can't remember. Maybe it was Piedmont Airlines. Wow. But then when that ended for Childress and Ricky Rudd, then Dale came back. And that's when it, that's when he, he got back on track. I was already, I, I spent four years at 
Junior Johnson's shop with them, um, you know, doing my thing up there with Daryl and, and, and then when we went to a two car team there, that's when Neil Bonnet came on board. So I moved over and was Neil Bonnet's crew chief. Man, that's, that's amazing. Doug, did you, when you, when you had that opportunity to go work for Junior Johnson, was, was that like I, you had to pinch yourself because you can't believe that you're fixing to go work for the legendary Junior Johnson? And I'm going to make a statement. Wasn't Junior Johnson kind of like the Hendrix of today in NASCAR? You know, at the, wasn't that the best of the best there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had quite the support, you know, at the time from, from GM. And, you know, we had, I think, Buicks at the time. Wow. Uh, when we when we started before we transitioned over into the uh, what was it the um, gosh now I'm brain dead. <laughs> I can't, can you remember the name of the darn car we ran so good with all the time? But you know we ended up with the Monte Carlo. You know in the end there, and but when you were there, like there was no holding back if. If it took this to make it the best car, we had it. So there was no – you had every every tool you needed to make that race car the best it could be and be the fastest it could be. There was no, you know, working off a budget, maybe we can't afford this or we don't have that. You had all the tools you need to build uh, what you wanted to have so Neil Bonnet could win. Or, or, Absolutely. Wow. Uh, really, but when it first started, I was all – it was we were all involved with Daryl Waltrip. Wow. And when when we were there, the one year we won 11 races, and then the next year I think it was either 12 or 13 races we won. And, I mean, the whole game, I mean, Daryl Walter was – they're great people. We we still talk to one another, and, and, and we still go together. I went to them with them with the Hall of Fame there um, a couple years ago and hung out with them for the evening. They're just great friends of ours, I feel – and um, they really keep an eye on my wife, Robin, and keeping us straight with all that. But that's great family right there. And, and that's, the, that's what I take out of a lot of these. You know, everywhere I go, there's a relationship or you have some friendship that you create and, and you still go. We, we always went up there and sat and visited with Flossie. That's Even, amazing, man. You know, not too many years ago, we'd go up there and just visit and, one year, Stevie and Daryl came, and we just tried to get people together that was on the team. Now we wanted to make that letter, our little gathering. And, <laughs> I mean, you're you're hanging out, you're hanging out doing these cool things. You know, y'all going up, everybody's gathering, y'all having dinner, or lunch, and you know, these are the superstars. I mean, all of us that we idolize and buy their shirts and hats and read about, and y'all just hanging out like it's no big deal. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, well, let me, let me tell you this. This is, gets even better, right? You talk about, oh, you know, just going out and having dinner, all right. So, in 1984, started the team with, with Neil Bonnet, and we're running a, a – it was at then, it was a Grand National race on you know, before the, the, the cup race, right? Right. And I go out to change a tire, and here comes L.D. Ottinger in, and he clips me, and he breaks – breaks my left leg and my ankle and I smack my nose and, and all this stuff. And what's the scary part was there was a photographer up there that had sequent shots of me getting hit, you know, <laughs> going over. Now was uh, this on pit road during the race? 
Yeah, this was before helmets and, and all the hardware we, you know, wow. now, but he just clipped me. Like I was going out, it was, it was in the era of when we changed tires with only one lug wrench. Wow, amazing. The guy actually goes around the back of the car with the lug wrench through me, it would have thrown me the front one, but I didn't quite make it there because <laughs> I got hit. <laughs> so I flipped over and they drug me over out of the way. And then Bob Janelle, you know, is what <laughs> he was with us. He goes over and changes the tire and all that. And then the stop's over and is like, all right, well, I can't get up. Right. <laughs> they had to pick me up. <laughs> hey guys, don't forget about me. I'm over here hurt. <laughs> and, you know, hey. Right. But, wow. but what I want what I wanted to say was, so here I am. I'm out here. I'm I, I don't have a wife, I don't have a family or nothing here. So I stay at Junior and Blossie's house. In really? So in the, here comes the morning. You always hear about Junior, all the cooking, right? What are they known for? Cookbooks, cooking, all this yeah, stuff. breakfast. Well, here I am in the morning. I wheel myself out, and there's Junior on there cooking away and Flossie making biscuits, and I roll up, and I have breakfast. <laughs> at Junior Johnson's house. It's another day. That's amazing, man. That, that another day just, in paradise. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, Tyler. Another day in paradise. That's amazing, man. Wow. <laughs> what a yeah. story. And Doug, how, that, how does that work? So, man, Junior Johnson cooks breakfast in the morning, and then what? He cleans up, or Flossie cleans up, then everybody goes to work in the shop. You walk across the street to the shop. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, then you so the next thing, what was I able to do? What are we having for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. No, it was cool. I mean, and I had a great time working with them. I mean, they were, what a group. I mean, we had a great team. You know, right. had a lot of great people on that team. And I was, I was just fortunate to be part of it, right? Absolutely. I want to ask you one more thing, then we'll move on to your – to the Greg Biffle area, but what was the, what was Neil Bonnet like, man? He just seemed like everything I've read about Neil, seen on television. He was a class act, and obviously, uh, your driver Dale Earnhardt and Neil Bonnet were best friends. I mean, I'm sure y'all were all good friends. So, can you share with us a little bit about Neil Bonnet? Well, Neil Bonnet was exactly how you described it. He was a great guy. He was a hard racer, but he was a gentleman. And we could go out and, I mean, we win the race, we have a good time, or we might blow a motor or we might wreck. And he had to make sure he shook your hand and said, hey, guys, thank you, appreciate it, you know, before he left. That's just the kind of guy he was. He wasn't, you know, this hothead guy and all. And it was just a joy working with him. You know, another more good people, right, that you, that you meet and wow. along the way. Amazing, That's man. So then you end up working with Greg Biffle, and this is in the heyday of Roush racing, that era that Roush was so dominant that you worked with him in, in the way that he was rolling. And, and Greg, one of a kind, too, spent his whole career there with the 16 car. Tell us about working with Greg. What was he like and those great experiences you guys had there at Roush? Well, the, you know, the, the way I actually got connected to, uh, I'm going to say this side of it. So how I kind of got connected to Biffle was, is I actually went to Roush's to start a truck team for Kyle Busch. And, 
And so we were putting it together, putting it together, and we went and tested at um, Lakeland, Florida. We used to go down there and, and run and just test things. Well, right after that test, Kyle Bush decided, well, I'm going to skip these trucks and Xfinity and stuff. I'm going to go drive Cub cars for Rick Hendrick. All of a sudden, we don't have a driver. Well, guess what? Here comes the guy that hands out his business card to everybody he talked to. And who was it? Carl Edwards. <laughs> hey, you're the guy, Carl. So here we meet the guy, another great guy. I'm just lucky, right? Because Carl's a great guy too, right? And he Justin jumps Carl. And we show up in Daytona, and I think he's I think he said that was his third or fourth race on asphalt. Wow. <laughs> so, and ever? And third or fourth race I ever. So. I, if I'm not mistaken, he'll probably call up in a minute and go, no. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, very, very little experience on the on the big track, especially Daytona, right? Yeah. So here we start off and you know, lo and behold, he's another he's another natural talent that we jumped in there and started winning races. Um, so here we we start off. We're 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 doing well and and all that and um, no real issue. But then Jack wanted me to stay. Uh, it was like, I think it was a weekend off. He asked me to come up to Michigan and hang out with Greg and and the team and and just observe. I'm just another, uh, just another outsider looking in, you know, and I did that and we talked a little bit and listened in and we talked some more. And the next thing I know, Jack says, Hey, Doug, I'd, I'd like you to just move over here and be his crew chief. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, yeah. All right. I mean, and one side of me is like, oh, I hate him. I'll be leaving Carl Edwards. Right. <laughs> And then go over there, and then that was a great relationship too. I mean, you know, we did a lot of stuff together. Uh, also, we had a lot of fun times. What a you lot know. of races! Yeah, it was twelve uh, over the over the four years, three years, I think it was there. Unbelievable, uh, man! One homestead, three years in a row. Wow! Yeah, so that was That's a big deal, there. man. It's always nice to win the last race of the year <laughs> and you get to gloat on it a little bit, you know, absolutely look at the trophy, but yeah, that was good times. Um, you know, when, when we went out, I was, it's such a great feeling. And I know people now that like Denny Hamlin and all these guys go out, you know, those guys, when they leave the shop, you know, they have a chance to win. Absolutely. We did. That's exactly how we felt with where we were, where Roush Racing was, where the Ford product was, the Roush Yates uh, combined engine program that all came together. It was like perfect timing. The aero package was a low downforce package, little blade and all that. And here's Biffle, we'll drive one sideways. It just fell right into our land. Man, when he would take off, there was no, there was no catching him, man. He would just drive the wheels off of it. If we didn't hit the, if we didn't hit the wall at least once in practice, we weren't doing it. <laughs> he always hit the wall going into the turns, didn't he? he Scrub that wall, arcing it in, didn't he? You're exactly right. And if you know he didn't want to lift, he'd hit it on the exit too. But <laughs> that's amazing. You know, we're here, we're sitting here listening to you talk, and and uh, man, we just love these stories. But the common denominator, I mean, you know, Tyler. 
And Dominic, we're hearing Doug speak, you know, and he's, he has all these some dry race car drivers. But the common denominator is Doug Zercrucci, you know. I think Doug underestimates what he brings to the table. I, and I can assure you, if you don't have a great race car that handles good, you can't hold that throttle down. You know, you can't you can't run wide open. You know, I don't care who right. you are. So you got to have a good handle in the race car. And, and that's amazing, Doug. All the victories you have with so many different great race car drivers, legendary race car drivers. I, uh, I, I mean, it's just it's amazing what you have accomplished. And 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 I don't know how many how many years it's been, but you're still relevant in the sport today. You know, you shouldn't. You know, I, I don't know if you ever have time to reflect on. I, I don't know if that happens. I mean, you know, if you look in the mirror and say, man, look at all these wins I've had and look at this, look at that. But I know you're busy. you got a lot of stuff going on. Have you ever sat back and just reflected on what you've done and what you've accomplished in this awesome sport we're involved in? Actually, you know, every now and then we will. And usually it's usually it's when we go digging the, in the tote of pictures, you know, and just – David Chobat, Chobat, back in the day, you know, he always was the guy that took pictures, you know, and of the pit stops and maybe the wind and all that. And you had a picture, you know, now everything's digital. It's a little different, right. a little easier to carry, you know, on a, on a <laughs> drive or something. And you got your whole, whole season on it. But, but, you know, I, I'll say, and I, I've enjoyed racing. I've just the only thing I've known in my whole life. Absolutely. When I left California in 1977, I've been out here since, and this is the only job I've ever had. In racing somehow or another, whether it's truck, Xfinity, Cup, back to truck, back here. I mean, I've worked here long enough where I've actually worked for Daryl like three different times. I worked at Daryl at Junior Johnson's. Then when Daryl started his team up, at Western Auto, I worked with him there, and then he decided that when I left somewhere, and then I went back over there to, to crew chief his truck with Bill Sedgwick. So it's like wow. all these people and Dale and 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 all. I've worked with two to three times, right? <laughs> and you stay long enough, you're going to circle back around. <laughs> like, what do we do all our life? We make laps. Right? Absolutely, we make laps, man. People a couple different times. Well, but, Doug, I you were telling me just before we got the show started, you said you've worked with about 73, right? 73 different drivers in the Cup Series across all three series, in fact, of NASCAR's Touring Series. I, I think it's something close to that. I, that's that's I, amazing. I do that number, but like, I mean, I'm talking like whether it was a one race deal or whether I went and I just changed tires for Alan Kowicki uh, wow. at times. And I, I, filled in for uh, a tire changer uh, with Davey Allison. And it was, I mean, every little stepping stone or, in, you know, any kind of connection that I had to a driver, I just counted that all through the years. And it, it really ramped up. <laughs> so, let me, so let me ask you, Doug, uh, of those 73 drivers you worked with, not uh, necessarily. Don't ask me for a favorite. <laughs> who, who was your favorite, Doug? You know, I, I can't say I have favorites, but I can say now I've got a, a lot of great relationships from it. Let's say that. Okay. Absolutely. I've had a different success, whether it's how someone helped mentor me, how who helped me help groom me into being the person that I am, 
or a talent that I've learned that I give them. It, it's, it's just not one favorite thing. It's really the connection. And I've always said, I am not the only person on the team. I wasn't the only part of the success because you know what, if I don't surround myself with good, good people, I'm no good either. You ever heard of the, the, the saying a computer garbage in is garbage out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no different. Yeah. I one of the have... things, one of the things I wanted we hadn't we hadn't spoke about him yet is uh, I want to ask you about Kenny Irwin Jr. and uh, your time you worked with him. Were you his crew chief, Doug? Yeah, actually, um, I circled with him a couple times. Right. Um, I went up when uh, Kenny Irwin was driving um, the uh, Liberty Racing Team. He was running trucks. He had Ray Bestis for the sponsor and stuff. He ran the 98 truck. Actually, Gary Showalter yep. at our shop now that runs MBM Motorsports, he's the one that hired me up there to be like a consultant, build shocks, work with Kenny, help help set up, you know, and, and do that with the trucks. For him, we ran that truck deal. But then after that, I went a different way, and I was working for um, Joe Fop Racing, I think it was, and we had Todd Budine as a driver, the 91 car, but there was, gosh, Mike Wallace, <laughs> then, and then Todd Budine ended up, well, anyhow, at the end of the season, we had a really good run in Atlanta, and then I was approached by... Robert Yates and them to come over and be the crew chief for Kenny Irwin. So, wow. Even Kenny, the short period of time, <laughs> I worked with him twice. <laughs> That's amazing, That's cool. man. Unbelievable. That's cool. Well, um, last question before we uh, move on to the news and notes and ask David and the rest of that. Um, Doug, what are you up to nowadays? Uh, what's, uh, what's, day, what's a day look like for you right now? Well, you know, I started, uh, this is going on my third year now with, with Carl Long Motorsports, or known as MBM Motorsports. Um, and Carl's been, you know, putting a cup car out on the track for almost every race for the last two or three years, I think it is. And he also runs three to four Xfinity cars for the past three or four years, too. And I was crew chief and I came over and, and was helping. Uh, we put a team together real quick for Max Tolman to get him approved and things like that. So we, we ran some races with Carl at his place. Uh, then after that was over, I, um, Joey Gase was a driver and they paired me up with him to crew chief him for a while. And then I crew chief Chad Fincham for a while then I ended up crew chief in Timmy Hill and kind of just bounced around different programs and um, Austin Hill with, with Shiggy uh, combined effort there worked with him. And it's just one thing led to another. And then, then my world sort of turned upside down with my family and my wife got cancer the first time when we found out. So she underwent a major surgery and that was the same time the pandemic deal hit. And with the low immune systems because of surgery and the chemos and all that that went on, they, they helped decide that 
hey, Doug, let's just let you stay back at the shop and let's not send you to the track, expose to whatever I might bring home to her. And I was like, you know, that's cool because I've got to the point in my life where I'm okay with that. So what I've been doing lately is I just work with every team, not don't run the team, okay, don't in that respect, but I'm involved in all of it. And what I'm trying to do is help create consistency, right, to make sure some somebody just doesn't go off one way and do something that's bad. Or if we know that one is doing this, we try to incorporate it to the next car and the next team and the next car and, and build it all together. So now I'm involved with doing the pull down and, and stuff, the pull down rig that we send every car across before it goes. I'm involved with every one. And now I can help pull all those thoughts together too, track them. And then of course, try to better yourself the next time through. So. Yeah. I, Carl, Carl last week described you as his competition director uh, was the, uh, the term again. So yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. That <laughs> And Doug, you've been around the sport more than 40 years. You've worked with so many great drivers and so many organizations. Is there ever a chance or maybe the possibility we would ever see you transition to some sort of broadcast role or some sort of analyst role? I mean, I would. Yes, for sure. I would love to do that. Um, who, who knows? Uh, who knows what can happen? I did have a, a brief opportunity with speed uh, I used to do the um, the NASCAR performance show with Chad Knauss and Booty Barker, Larry McReynolds, and myself when we used wow. to do the, the sets at the racetrack. And then I did have an opportunity to go do the broadcast booth uh, for a couple truck races. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's quite different being up there. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll tell you what hurt me is because all my life, what do I do? I sit on the pit box and I look at my car, right? That's the only thing in your world. You're looking <laughs> at your car. Well, you know what? When I'm looking out the window of the broadcast booth <laughs> and I start looking at the car that I am watching, that doesn't mean it's on TV, <laughs> <laughs> to be on the car that you're talking about. So it was a it was a little bit different, you know. That's so, funny. Um, you know, would I do it again? Absolutely. Do I think I can do it better? Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's funny. Hey, Doug. Before we move on with the show, I, I want to ask you about one more thing, and I think it's important. Uh, man, the the your wife Robin and and what y'all been through. Uh, first of all, I want to say how many how many years have y'all been married? Uh, we're going on thirty six this December. That's amazing. That's just a beautiful thing, man. And uh, God bless you. And we're all be praying for you that Robin makes a full recovery. One of the things I've always heard, and, and, I, and I was going to mention this earlier, I've always heard, and I never really ever asked you the question: Was Dale Earnhardt really your best man at your wedding? Yeah, he was. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> that's that's gotta, pretty yeah. awesome. So I, I got to tell you something in that too. Okay. <laughs> so, um, of course, he was our best man, and then his tragic death took him took him away from us. Absolutely. So when our thirtieth, twenty fifth anniversary, 
Oh man, she's gonna kill me when she sees. <laughs> well, don't not, don't talk too loud. <laughs> so so anyhow, we're gonna renew our vows, and she said, "Yeah, I want to renew our vows tonight at church." It was a Wednesday night, and I we go to church and get to the end of the service and go, oh. All right, Robin and, and Doug, we're going to come on up. You know, we're going to renew our vows. So we're, I'm standing up there at the front of the church. And we're sitting there. I'm just about to get ready to start. And I feel a, I feel a hand on my shoulder. I turn around, and there's Dale Jr. Wow. <laughs> Dale Jr. was there to stand in for Dale Sr. as I renew my vows. Oh. And uh, and it was just what a <laughs> what a feeling that was, and my wife arranged all that, and I didn't know a thing about it. And Kelly was also there, standing in and being with us for that event. And it was like that was such an honor for me to have Dale Jr. and Kelly take the time out all the planning that Robin did to get them there, work it with Dale Jr.'s schedule. You know, he was racing full-time then and to work it all out to where we could get it all together. And I, I always have to tell that story. I'm very thankful for it. It's a beautiful story. And man, th I, 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 I feel honored that you shared it with us, man. I, I, I mean, you That's know, you, you think about the Earnhardt's and Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr., just the race car driver. But like you were talking earlier, you know, how, how awesome and, and what great race, what great talent these people are. But you, it's, it's, much more, it's much more bigger than that. It's, it's all about right. the, the relationships. So you will crew chief and y'all will win all the races you won, but the relationship will last a lifetime. The racing will come and go one day for all of us. But like you were saying, the, the connection, the friendship, and the relationships last forever. And, man, what a – what an awesome story. Man, that, that's amazing to hear that. That's really cool that your wife, that she planned that. You didn't know about it. But it's so beautiful that Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt came, were there with you in, play, in, replace, in place of their dad. I mean, it's just a cool story. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. It, it just goes to show you. For people, you know, a lot of us, we don't know Dale Earnhardt Jr. And we didn't know Dale Earnhardt. But you were like family to, the, to those people. We, we just idolize those guys. We're, we're fans of them. We idolize them. But it's cool to know how good a, a family, how good a people they are to do stuff like that. That has a lot of meaning to it. And, and it's really cool that you shared that with us. It just, it just goes to show you they're just great, wonderful people, you know. It's things that we might not ever know. And you just share something that was cool with us. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of great memories, and and you know to be involved with all these people, and 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 still, um, as you know, as tragic as this cancer has been, it's really had we've had such an outpour of of prayers and and concerns and gifts and. And people bringing food to help us out. I mean, just, you know, just the same thing like if we were at the racetrack and I'll, I'll throw out when Yates' trucks rolled over in Watkins Glen, right? And they showed up at the racetrack and, well, here comes the whole garage 
to help them unload everything and get their stuff going and get them what they needed to go compete in a race. Well, that's what you feel like when you create these relationships around the circuit that we can have a problem and we got people there to help. And that's a great feeling. And I'm honored to be able to receive their friendship like that. Absolutely. And, and, and that's just amazing. Hearing, hearing Doug speak, I would let people know that our racing industry, our, our industry of NASCAR racing and hearing Doug talk, it's a family. It's a family. Yeah. We're, we're, when they drop that green flag, we're all at war and we're beating and banging. But, man, when they drop that checker flag, we're one big family. And, and when people are in need, I mean, I just – I love hearing that. And, uh, and uh, man, we, uh, we pray for you and Robin, Doug, and uh, we appreciate you sharing these cool stories with us. Pretty cool. Well, hey, I've, en- I've enjoyed the show. It's like how many shows can you do from the comfort of your own home? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, we, we all feel the exact same way uh, from our home offices and home studios to be able to do this. Guys, we got a few more things before we get out of here today. Time for our NASCAR News and Notes segment. Let's get started, Dominic, with a look back at the Daytona Road Course, where it was a first-time winner for the second straight week. Exactly. Christopher Bell didn't lead all the laps, but he led the most important lap, the final one. Five laps led en route to his first career Cup Series win. That makes back-to-back weeks that we have two first-time winners in the Cup Series. The last time we had consecutive first-time winners, you have to go back to 2019, where Justin Haley won at Daytona, and then Alex Bowman followed up the week after Chicagoland. But guys, to go back to the last time you opened the season with two winners that were first-time winners, you have to go all the way to 1950, Harold Harold Kite and Tim Flock. So it's been quite a long time since that has happened. (laughs) Well, and – and playoff implications, too. All of a sudden, that's two playoff spots that have first-time playoff drivers that have never been there before. David, that was uh, big for, for both these guys the last two weeks. Oh, man, no, no doubt about it. It's, it's, uh, it's not a surprise. You know, uh, you, knew, you knew Christopher Bell. It was just a matter of when, you know what I mean? You, you, you knew he was going to win some races, and, and he'll win a lot more this year. I'm a sh- that, uh, you know, I figure he'll win three or four more races, but uh, – but, man, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, it just uh, – I don't know about you, Doug, but uh, the, his talent and uh, what I've seen him do in the race car he's driven over the last two or three years, I knew when he was coming to Gibbs and getting in the 20 car that he was going to be a, a championship caliper team together, that nucleus. And, uh, and we saw that yesterday at Daytona. And, and then the Xfinity race, having Ty, you know, Ty Gibbs – uh, amazing, you know I me, mean? but I'm not a surprise. I'm not surprised about Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 because if you look at Front Row Motorsports and you look at what they've done at these super speedways over over two or three years, uh, and I, and and I think uh, uh, when David uh, uh, David Reagan won his last race, it was at a super speedway with Front Row Motorsports. So none of us a surprise to me, but we're going to see a lot more from Christopher Bell and Ty Gibbs, that's for sure. Hey, hey, David, uh, one, I remember early in the broadcast when you were talking about uh, the, oh, he's in, he, you know, like Ty Gibbs, oh, he's in Gibbs equipment and all that. You got to remind the people that's talking about that. It's like, you know what? There was some other Gibbs cars in there, and he still outran them. Hi, now, man. You Absolutely. Still, you still got to have that nut behind the wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why – you know, I don't know if it was Dominic or Tyler, but they were saying, you know, 
uh, you know, Ty Gibbs, I mean, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in our sport. Uh, I mean, what he did, uh, racing with that Penske car and, and beating the other, I mean, just, I mean, it was, it was impressive. It was, it was impressive. I mean, I was impressed by him. I never seen him race before. I know he's won a lot of ARCA races, but be your first time in an Xfinity race. And I'm just talking, I mean, when it comes to a road course racing, I mean, that's, that's, that's talent. And uh, it, it definitely, we saw something special after he won that race. He, nobody gave him nothing. And I don't care how great his race car is and how much money that organization has. Somebody's like Doug was saying, there's got to be a nut, as Doug called us, <laughs> behind the wheel getting the job done. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you can have an excellent, awesome race car, and you just put a so-so driver in it, and you won't win races. So, that, that we've seen something special this weekend from both drivers. Oh, yeah, great weekend for, uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing there. And, and the race itself was exciting. But, guys, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention – what about the pre-race? Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer bumping uh, the rental cars, reenacting that Days of Thunder scene. Did you get to see that, David? Man, I, I, I saw it. I, I was actually uh, – it was uh, – man, I, I forget. It was, it was Sunday morning, and I was leaving the racetrack for something. And uh, the way you exit out of the racetrack through the tunnel, that the new tunnel that they built in turns one, I'm coming around there, and I look over at the road course – and Doug, there's two rent cars out there. I don't know who's out there. And I'm like, man, they just ran into each other. You know, I didn't know if it was like two drivers, just kind of like the rookie thing was going on or just a couple guys from the speedway driving around. I didn't know what was going on, but I saw them run into each other and I stopped. I'm like, I can't believe I just saw a Chevy Impala run into like another Chevy Impala. I don't know what they were, but I was shocked. I saw that on an accident. I had no idea that Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon were in the cars. I had no idea when I sat there for a minute. I'm like, man, I can't believe I just saw that. And then I flew back home to Dallas, Texas, and I watched the race late last night. Uh, my wife had taped it for me, and I watched it late, late last night. And they were showing the before the race started, it was Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon, and I saw it happen. I saw, man, somebody's in trouble. You know what I mean? I just thought it was employees of the Speedway. <laughs> But that was pretty awesome. Did you see that, Doug? Oh, yeah. Every, you know, there's so many times I wanted to do that, jump into that. <laughs> oh, Dominic, <laughs> we, we've seen these networks do these bits and all that stuff. Usually they're pretty bad. That was some of the best TV I've seen in quite some time. I love the pairing of Jeff and Boyer. Oh, absolutely. And just seeing them go back and forth and know that, no, they don't have to hire stunt drivers. They hit show the cameras. It's actually these guys going wheel to wheel, toe to toe in these rental cars, and they're just smashing them up. And I did love how they had Boyer, and I think he was in a Ford Fusion, and they had Gordon and Impala. So they were even true to the manufacturers that they most recently raced in the Cup Series. Hey, that's cool. And I want to bring up something. I want to tell Doug something. Doug, we had Jeff Bodine on our show, I don't know, a month ago, four or five weeks ago, whatever it was. And Jeff shared with us that him and Dale Earnhardt were so – every time they were on the racetrack, they ran into each other. And I guess Bill France called them to Daytona along with Rick Hendricks and, and Childress. And uh, they were all going to dinner after their uh, Come to Jesus meeting at the NASCAR – in the NASCAR office, you know. And uh, so I think Bill France told Earnhardt to ride with Jeff Bodine. So Jeff was telling us a story that he's driving – they're going to dinner, and they're following Bill France, Rick Hendricks, and Richard Childress, 
and in one car, and then you got Jeff Bodine and Earnhardt another, and he's and Jeff says, man, next thing you know, Earnhardt hits me in the shoulder hard, and he said, hey man, what's the deal? He said, run into him, run into him. You know what I mean? I mean, he was sharing that with us on 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 the podcast here. We thought that was crazy, but that kind of reminded me of after I saw that last night of Jeff Gordon and. Uh, and boy, you're getting after it, you know what I mean? But it's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> every, hey, every driver like that has to have that agitator on the side. And who was it this time but Dale? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that, that's incredible. Uh, Rubbing sun is racing. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's good. Uh, what else we got, Dom? The last headline that we're covering, we promised we would give you all an update if we heard anything about Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They are going to allow fans for the March 5th to 7th NASCAR race weekend just in a couple of weeks. I know it had been kind of talked about, well, what's going to happen? Are they going to allow fans? They got to run the race without fans in September, but the governor's office out there in Nevada has approved a limited amount of fans. We're hearing between 20 to 25% of fans will be able to attend the race weekend. So we'll pass more information as we learn it. Well, uh, David, the uh, it is, is David that the hat, David the happiest camper about that's got to be our buddy Brendan Gaughan. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely, Brendan's pretty awesome, man. You know, well, you say Las Vegas, you got to go to the South Point, see Brendan, he'll be at the racetrack. But you know, and Doug will tell you, our sport, our sport, it doesn't operate without the people. You got to have the fans when there's no fans, no engagement with the sponsors, and the sponsors can't come to the race. It's it's a challenge, you know, and uh. And uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that uh, Las Vegas has opened it up. Um, and I just hope from this point on, it just gets more relaxed, more relaxed and more relaxed because we need our, we need to be able to bring our sponsors, entertain them in the garage. And we need to, we, we, we can't race without the fans. I know we have been, uh, but it's important that we get them back and our sport needs them and we need them. Doug, uh, Vegas has become a special place for NASCAR, it seems. Well, it, it has, um, and it, with all the, you know, it's quite the interaction, entertainment area, you know, so why not, why not go to a place like that and where your families and, you know, if you want to make a trip out of it, it's just like Daytona comes around, you go to in July and you go to the beach. Now you take your family on a trip and go do the Las Vegas shows and all the activities that they got there. So it's, it's been great racing. Yeah, I mean, you could make a case that Vegas helped having the race there paved the way for the Raiders coming to town and the uh, the NHL team really just showed that they can be a sports town and support that. So that's, uh, that's great to see. Guys, uh, last segment before we run today, time for our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email. You can follow us at Star Podcast on social media, email David Star podcast at gmail.com. And uh, David, we got a couple questions here on uh, Facebook. First one comes from Annie. Annie writes, David is someone that has spent time listening to you in Vegas, of all places, talking to youth. Can you tell us the top three things youth need to do as far as character on and off the track to go far in racing? Uh, man, that's, you know, that's, that's a great question. You know, I, I don't know. I, uh, man, I, I've won, I've won a pole in Vegas and won a race there. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just think you gotta be honest. Uh, you gotta be willing to, uh, accept change. And, 
I don't know, man. I, that's, that's a great question. I just, uh, you know, you got to be dedicated and, and uh, it's not an easy industry, you know, and, uh, and, and in today's world of professional auto racing, you got to have great sponsors. And uh, I just think when it comes down to it, it's just, you know, being honest, being, being yourself, whoever that may be, and doing everything you can for your sponsors to make sure they're getting all the value they can get out of the platform that NASCAR offers to us, you know, but I, you know, I always tell somebody, and if it's ugly, beautiful, or in between, being honest and being a, a great guy, a stand-up person, is a lot better than anything else that's out there, you know. And uh, so uh, I don't know. I just always, I, I'm, I'm like Doug was saying, I'm, I'm blessed. I've been blessed. This is my 24th year. I've been blessed with a lot of great relationships with team owners, crew members, sponsors, and a lot of them, like we were talking earlier. The racing will come and go one day, and the relationships last last a lifetime, you know. And uh, these companies would not, you know, allow me to uh, be like a spokesperson for them on and off the racetrack if they didn't think, you know, I, I was a stand-up guy. So I, I try to I try to just be the the person I am and, and being honest and 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 just being a normal person. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know that's. I mean, that's, that's just the way I've done it. And uh, hopefully I've answered Andy's question. It's a great question, but uh, I race hard. I love what we do. I'm honored. I get to work with people like Doug uh, and get to be drive for people like uh, Carl Long. But, uh, but I think honestly, being passionate, having a lot of passion, a lot of desire, a lot of heart for what we do is, is really driven me uh, to stay in the sport this long. Okay. What about you, Doug? What do you think uh, the top three things that, that youth, that young people need to know as far as character on and off the track to, to go far in racing? Well, I, I think, you know, we all, I look at it as, um, you know, the way we grow our sport is we have to create the experience for whoever comes to want to enjoy it. From the fans in the scans, we want to create the experience of having a good race. Well, even down in the pit, I love, I love to just out of the blue see some kid or some family standing there that's really interested in something, looking in the garage. I'm like, hey, come on. Come on, let's go in the garage. Like they look at you like, you know what? Give them that experience, like boom, all of a sudden they're in the garage. That's what I love. That's I, I, I want to give those people that lasting impression first experience. Like, wow, this guy, I don't even know who he was. He got me in the garage. Well, they're going to want to go back. And I, I love doing that more than anything now. If there's an opportunity that I can take to talk to somebody, introduce somebody to them that they're just, maybe they wanted somebody's autograph. I'm like, well, come here a minute. Let's just get it. Stop the driver, get him the autograph and say, well, here you go. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I love doing. Oh, that's, that's awesome. cool. That's awesome. Guys, uh, one more question for you. And I feel like all four of us might have a different answer to this question. This is pretty interesting here. This one comes from Jeff on Facebook. Jeff writes, how would you handle such a long delay in a race? Happy to see you behind the wheel this year. Best of luck. So what do you do, David, when you have a rain delay or something, a, a red flag of some sorts? How do you handle those long delays? Man, <laughs> what would you say, Doug? Eat. 
<laughs> there you go. I, for me, you know, it just it just gives me a chance to 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 talk to my guys. You know, it's a time we, you know, you get to ask how their wives, how their kids are doing. You know, sometimes you're so busy at the racetrack that you go there. You know, when we did practice, we did qualifying. Man, it's it's pretty intense, and uh, you know, we're all there to do our job. And a lot of times, it's just about the race car and how the race car is handling and that kind of stuff. And and I feel like during the rain delays, because when you have a rain delay, it takes an, an hour or two to drive the racetrack, and it, it might rain for an hour or two, you know. Uh, but it just gives me a time to catch up with my guys on my team, find out how their families, how their wives are doing, how their kids are doing. And I really like to spend some time with my competitors. You know, a lot of times our, us, us as competitors, you're so busy with our own schedules, sponsor commitments and practicing and all that kind of stuff that we don't really get to – learn and talk to other people so during rain delays man I, I really like to talk to people other people and just to kind of just to learn more about other people in our industry so for, for me that's you know and like Doug said I like to eat a lot you know what I mean so you, you can eat water that, but uh absolutely man I love my water hamburgers and there's usually one or two in the hauler but uh but anyway during the rain delays is, is I you know first and foremost I, I talk to my crew chief and, and our engineer talk how the cars what's going on with the race car and then and then I like to visit with a lot of different people it's pretty cool you know how about yourself Doug I love to eat <laughs> actually, actually you know a good a good racetrack uh, enjoyment for me is like having a box of jelly bellies up on the box or some type of candy to be munching on, you know, pack of crackers. <laughs> you got to have some ice cream, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, depending on the weather, might pull in an ice cream or something and, you know, that, you know, that's what they do. They did it in Days of Thunder, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, on pit road and eating ice cream. Say, hey, you want one? No, no I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> hey, but hey, yeah. get Hey, you hear about the crew chief and the driver. How about our media guys? What do you guys do, you know, when there's a rain delay and, and you know, there's a two or three hour rain delay? What 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 is what is going on with, with Tyler and Dominic? What are you guys doing? So here's what I do, okay? Um I I usually think, okay, it's gonna take at least an hour to drive the track, and it's usually gonna rain, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. So I have enough time then to either watch another sporting event that I can pull up on my computer or I can watch a movie. And so during the Daytona 500 rain delay this past year, I watched Days of Thunder. I had seen enough of the making of the Days of Thunder that Fox played about 300 times during Daytona 500 week. I'm like, I'd rather just watch Days of Thunder at this point. And uh, that was a great decision. Uh, last year at the Daytona 500 during the weather delay, I watched some XFL football <laughs> and, uh, and when Harry met Sally, one of my favorite uh, <laughs> romantic comedies. And, and so that's what I do is I watch other sporting events and I watch movies to pass the uh, rain delay. What do you do, Dom? Well, especially when we're at the racetrack pre-pandemic, as you all know, media centers always have a bunch of coffee. So I load up on some coffee. And if there's some sort of spread of food, you'll find me there. I'll be the first in line to go grab something. And you, what you'll see a lot of us do in the media center, because we're all on our computers. We're kind of just waiting for things to, to pass by. 
I got a lot of back-end stuff that nobody else knows needs to get done, but I know it needs to get done, like maintenance on the website or just piecing together what you can on your stories or on your audio and sound bites, and just try to minimize your work so you're not there as long as you need to be post-race. So I, I try to focus on those things, but you betcha. I'm with Doug and, and Dave there. I'm going to make sure to load up on some food during a rain delay, especially that coffee. Oh, yes, absolutely. Now, I'm going to be probably the black sheep in this, but when it comes fall, I don't mind a weather delay because I can watch NFL football. And then if the race even gets moved to Monday afternoon, that's fine with me. I'll watch it. And uh, while you guys have to stay at the track another day, I'll watch it. And I still get to watch. I don't get interrupted by football and racing going at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, Tyler. I like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. We have had a lot of fun on this episode of uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Doug, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, tell us where, where people can find you and follow all what's going on with, with you and uh, MBM Motorsports. Well, that's a good question. You know, I'm not a big Twitter guy. Um, so <laughs> I do have a Twitter account, Doug underscore Richard. That, uh, I'm hanging around out there. I don't get on it much. I'm a, I'm a uh, hobbyist type person, you know, in my off time, but – I'm not hard to find. I'm at MBM Motorsports. You can, they have a website and uh, they got Facebook and all that can be reached. Anybody that needs to get a hold of me can surely get a hold of me somehow or another. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, uh, what's going on with you as you get ready for uh, Vegas this week, man? Well, man, I, uh, I, I flew back home from Daytona because here in Texas, we've, we've had a lot of snow and a lot of, uh, you know, our, our great state of Texas has, has you know, we, we've never really experienced in my lifetime the temperatures and the, the amount of snow that we've had since I've been gone. I've been gone a couple of weeks in Charlotte and Daytona and that. And I, I didn't plan on coming back to Dallas to home. But after uh, talking to my wife and my kids and with everything going on, I, had a, I got a couple of crack pipes on my pool and just uh, got home yesterday afternoon. And, man, I've been working ever since, trying to get everything fixed, uh, get everything back in order. I don't, I like everything nice and clean and neat, you know what I mean? Man, I'm, I'm blowing leaves out of my yard, working in my flower beds, working on my pool, you know, cleaning this, cleaning that, fixing my gate. The battery on my gate went bad because it was negative three degrees here for a couple of days, you know. So just trying to fix stuff, get stuff back in order so I could get back uh, to Miami, Florida, and get back to racing this week. But – you know, I, one of the things I want to say, I, I want to let Doug know how much we appreciate having a guy like Doug Richards to come on our podcast. It means a lot to us, Doug. And, uh, you know, uh, for the fans out there, we watching this, you'll, you'll see Doug Richards in, in the Hall of Fame eventually. I don't know if that's sometime soon, but eventually we'll see that. And, uh, man, I just want to tell you thanks and thank you. And thank you for sharing those awesome stories with us. And, uh, and I, I know all of us, uh, Dominic, Tyler, and everybody that's listening are praying for you and your wife to that she gets a full recovery from what y'all are going through. Well, we, we appreciate it, guys. And we definitely appreciate all the thoughts and prayers and, and that's yes. coming out from my wife. And, um, I, you know, sometimes one day all I'm going to have is these stories. And I hope I can continue to tell more because I'm sure there's more. It just has to trigger in the brain of like a topic of, oh, yeah, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I got to tell you this. There's more. We haven't, we haven't gone very far yet. There's still a lot more. 
Hey, no Doug, doubt. Have, have you thought about how, when, when's that book? Have we started on that book yet? <laughs> Man, you know what? There, there's been talk about it. I just, <laughs> haven't, just haven't gathered it all up. I know somebody that can help you. Dominic is involved, and I think he's the producer. He's the guy. I think you, Dominic, why don't you share with Doug what, what, what's, what's going on with you and what you're doing for Jeff O'Donnell. Sure, Jeff and I, I've known Jeff now about 10 years, and he and I have gotten closer and closer, kind of like a like an uncle and nephew relationship, if you want to call it that, and I've been helping him piece together myself and another individual, Bill Norris. I know, Bill, you're listening. We appreciate your help on the project, too. We're helping him piece together his tell-all autobiography, so we've been having a lot of fun putting that together, and actually, before we came on, Doug had agreed to do a, an interview with us for the book, so we do appreciate that. That's cool. That's right. I can tell you all the little, the little tidbits that I know and been around them and the Bodines. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh, we're going to look forward to some of those stories. I'm only, I've, only, I've only worked with three Bodines, you know. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> there, there's a, a lot that we could go with there. Uh, oh, and, and David, I, I need to come swim in your pool sometime, man. Uh, come on, I, man. I, come on. Yeah, we'll, have plenty, plenty, we'll have plenty I of water. I can do that thing. We'll have some plenty of Whataburger hamburgers when you finally make it here and uh, some, some lots of sun. And uh, hopefully by then my pool will be back in order and running, but it should be back in order here in a couple of days. And, uh, and uh, man, and, you know, and uh, man, I'm excited. I get to, I get to race uh, at Homestead again, get to drive the, the Whataburger Toyota Super for Carl Long again. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back to racing this coming weekend. That's great. That's great. Uh, Dominic, what's going on on the racing experts? We're continuing to cover the daily news of the sport. I, I got to give shout outs to our guys every week. Justin Melillo, our managing editor, Jonathan Field, Adam Kuhn, and Nick Lewis. They keep, they keep the wheels turning on our operation. So appreciate all you guys so much. And we continue to do our giveaways on Twitter. So just all you got to do is follow us at the racing RACN experts for some NASCAR merchandise. All you got to do is just like, follow, and retweet. And you could win a nice little prize pack with some cool NASCAR memorabilia. That's great. Uh, guys, we got to run. Appreciate everybody joining us for another episode of Let's Go Racing. Number 13 in the books for the 13 wow. car here on LGR. It's been a lot of fun. We'll uh, see you all next week. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode for David Starr, Dominic Oregon. Doug Richard, I'm Tyler Jones, Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.